1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land, We're two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Megan Husline, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host, Jamie Urich. Hey Megan, thanks for having me back. Yes, I'm so excited to talk with you today. We have so much to talk about between the Super Bowl and the state of Ohio State sports, and actually the day we are recording this is January 31st which I think is definitely a good thing because it has just been a rough month for Ohio State football, men's basketball, and even women's basketball, so I think they're definitely excited for February.
0: Yeah, I think that we kind of need a fresh start across the board. Um, January's been a little bit of a downer, but I'm hoping we can kind of hit the reset button going into February and maybe like turn some things around.
1: I hope so. I mean, we'll get into all of that later, but you know, the biggest storyline of the week, obviously the Super Bowl is officially set. So it's going to be the Chiefs versus the Eagles. And there are so many storylines about this game in addition to the game itself. So let's just get right into it. I mean, two very different championship games last week. Let's just start with the NFC championship between the Niners and the Eagles, which is In case you missed it, uh, the Niners got demolished, largely in part because their quarterback, Brock Purdy, got injured pretty early on and then could not throw the rest of the game. turns out he actually tore his UCL, so that's just so unfortunate for the Niners who have had the worst luck with quarterback injuries this year. Um, So do you think that they would have won or at least played phenomenally more not even that's not even a sentence but what they have played just so much more better with a healthy Purdy and had that chance to make it to the Super Bowl yeah I mean listen like
0: Brock Purdy is a beast like uh, he would have certainly changed the game I think Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the the blowout score I don't know if that would have been enough for the Niners to overcome the Eagles. The Eagles are just playing such good football. Like, that offensive line is unbelievable. And actually what I would love to see is, like, can you imagine Joe Burrows but with the Eagles offensive line?
1: One can only hope for him. Because
0: he's doing what he
1: did with little
0: to no offensive line. So, I mean, the Eagles is – they're just – really on a momentum streak right now and they've worked really hard to put all of the pieces in place this season to have a pretty complete football team and so I think that they're tough to beat even when you're healthy losing Brock Purdy certainly um changes the landscape of Niners football and I I don't think that um I don't think they really stood a chance once he went down, but I also don't know that they would have won with him either. I just think it would have been a better football game.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree that it they would have put up some more points, clearly. I mean, the 49ers' defense, they didn't really come through. You know, when your quarterback goes down, your defense has got to step up. And they've been the top defense all year, so you really didn't see them letting up 31 points. I was pretty surprised by that. They just honestly couldn't stop the Eagles run game, Jalen Hurts, you know, he didn't do too much through the air, but I don't know, Philly's offense is just too good. So, congrats to the Eagles. I mean, they've been great all year. A disappointing finish for the 49ers for sure. They've just battled through so much, but hopefully Brock Purdy um has a speedy recovery and is back next year. But moving on to the AFC Championship, like I said before, just a total opposite in terms of um, just how the game panned out, a heartbreaker for the Bengals. And, you know, if you missed it at the end, um, Bengals linebacker Joseph Osai knocked Patrick Mahomes out of bounds for a late hit, which caused a 15-yard penalty, which then resulted in the game-winning field goal for the Chiefs. You know, it was back and forth all game. The Chiefs, they only won by three, so you can't really say that one play resulted in the outcome of a game, but you gotta feel like, I mean, this play, it really did have a large impact. Yeah,
0: I mean, the thing that is is interesting, like, I mean, obviously in the post-game coverage and his, his interviews since, like, it's heartbreaking to listen to him talk about it, because you know it's one of those moments where on any given day he could have made that play cleanly and without the without the penalty mm-hmm. and it could have been an entirely different outcome um but ultimately what separates like a Super Bowl championship team is their ability to not make those mistakes in the high-stakes situations with the game on the line um And so obviously one play is never going to make or break a football game, right? Like at any given point, the Bengals could have put more points on the board
1: Mm -hmm.
0: or the cheat. They could, the defense could have stopped the chiefs like, right. There's all these other things. So it's hard to pinpoint it to one game, but certainly like if that's the game that you're at, at that point, there is no wiggle room for costly mistakes. And so it's, it's like is it his fault that they lost no but was that the was that a turning point yes
1: yeah definitely you you got to feel for him i mean obviously it did result in the chiefs winning the game but you know he didn't like intentionally do that you saw him sobbing on the sidelines he felt awful
0: it was so heartbreaking yeah
1: i know and they kept showing him i was like just give him a break but yeah, I
0: he just kept going over to him and like consoling him and telling right. him that, okay. it was just like
1: yeah. I mean, it's, like you said, one play doesn't define a game. You know, Joe Burrow had two turnovers. The offensive line let him get sacked so many times. It was just all around not the Bengals' best game. They had a chance to win and they just didn't. I mean, the Chiefs were just the better team in that game, so. It's, it's going to be a great Super Bowl. You got the Chiefs and the Eagles, two of the best teams all year long. So I'm super excited for it. Just what are your initial thoughts about it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that this like mahomes Hurts matchup is going to be really interesting because they're obviously like both really excellent quarterbacks and um, Mahomes is, is doing unreal things and Jalen Hurts has all day to throw because the offensive line is uh, unreal. So I just think that, it is going to kind of go neck and neck. Um, I, yeah, I'm excited. I also think that the energy, I don't know anyone from Kansas City, so I can't speak to the Chiefs fandom, Um, but I assume it's very electric in Kansas City right now. But I know for a fact that the energy in Philly is like crazy. Oh, yeah. And that's always fun to see. Like, mm-hmm. I want the fans to be invested in the game. And I just don't know that that always happens because I don't think that all fan bases are. There There are cities that have more engaged fan bases. Let's just put it that way. And Philly is one of them.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be exciting from a fan perspective. And it's just going to be a great game. I feel like overall, I mean, two of the best offenses in the country, two of the best quarterbacks, Either one could win MVP. There's just so many storylines going along with this. And then, um, obviously, the Chiefs suffered a bunch of injuries. So they're three of their receivers. Um, and Travis Kelsey wasn't fully healthy. So hopefully, over the next two weeks, um, they should be good to go and the Chiefs can be at full strength. Um, but one of the other storylines that is going along with the Super Bowl is actually the first time in history that both of the starting quarterbacks are black, which I can't believe that that hasn't happened before, but that's just a major milestone for the NFL, you know? Yeah, it's like, I mean, I feel like I say this every time there's a major milestone because you always get the discourse
0: on Twitter that's like, we should be celebrating this because it's huge versus the people who are like, we shouldn't celebrate this because it shouldn't have taken this long. And I always feel like these milestones are a perfect example of like, both things can be true. Mm Mm-hmm. Like it shouldn't take this long to have situations where like both quarterbacks are black in a major championship game. Um, but also, like it it's worth celebrating and acknowledging, regardless, like it it is still a big deal. Um that this stat really surprised me. I have to say, like when I saw this in the in the show notes for today, I was kind of. Surprised to read that. But then I sat and thought about it and I was like, "Oh, I guess I guess that does kind of make sense based on who's been in the Super Bowl recently, at least in my recent memory, but it just I don't know why this surprised me as much as it did.
1: Yeah, I agree. I was also trying to rack my brain when I first saw this. I was like, "There's no way that can be true." You know, just trying to think who is in the Super Bowl in the past few years. You got Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson, but then you also got you know, Tom Brady. So I guess, yeah, it, it makes sense. Um, and like, yeah, I, I agree with what you said. It is sad that it has taken this long. So I see where people are coming from when saying we shouldn't be celebrating this, but at the same time, the fact that it is finally happening, it obviously obser- it deserves to be acknowledged and celebrated. So, I'm excited. These are two of the best quarterbacks in the league, so I'm excited to see them face off. Um, but one of the other major storylines is Chiefs coach Andy Reid. He also coached the Eagles, took them to the Super Bowl in 2004. So this will be an interesting game for him. You know, probably two of his favorite teams, and now he has to beat his former team to win the Super Bowl. So. That'll be interesting for him just from a mindset perspective. You know, obviously he's coming in gung-ho for the Chiefs, but he's got that soft spot for the Eagles.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, obviously when you're in a high-stakes situation, his his main focus is on winning this game. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't decide if it would make it better or worse to lose to a team that you had a soft spot for because I feel like, Sometimes when I have a soft spot for a team that I'm in a competitive situation against, it almost makes me want to beat them more. Like that's a motivating Um. Yeah, I don't know. But then I also think back to like when I was in college, I'm a diehard Cubs fan. I was born and raised right behind Wrigley Field. But when I was in college at OSU, we would go – up to Indians games they were the Indians at the time Mm -hmm. um obviously now the Guardians and when I was in college both the Cubs and Cleveland were under 500 um they were like historically bad franchises yeah it was like not pretty so rooting for Cleveland as my American I would say they were my American League team and People would kind of say, "Well, what if they play each other in a high stakes game?" And I would say, "Well, they won't because they're terrible." <laughs> of course, of course, the World Series was Chicago and Cleveland. Of course, but then and you got to go for the I, Cubs. I do remember that hurting me a little bit. Like I couldn't. That Cubs win was the best week, like collective week of my life. Mm-hmm. Um. And also I was just like so sad for Cleveland. So maybe there will be some twinge of that. But I do feel like when you're the coach and you have put the sweat, blood, sweat, and tears into the season, you're just kind of – your one-track mind is is victory.
1: Yeah, totally agree. I mean, Andy Reid is just such a, a likable guy all around. So I'm interested to hear more of his perspective on it. Um, but yeah, that is something interesting that I never really thought about. So just one of those storylines that are unique to this Super Bowl, also unique to the Super Bowl. I just had to throw it in there. It's the Rihanna concert. I mean, I'm so excited. I don't know how big of a fan you are, but it's been years without any new music from her. And I'm excited. It, it just had to be thrown in there. I'm excited,
0: too. I will say... um, she has invited Shirley Ralph to perform with her, and I don't know if you watch Abbott Elementary. Oh my gosh! Yes, I saw that.
1: Really my girl Barbara you. from Abbott Elementary. But
0: I am so excited for
1: Shirley Ralph to make an appearance <laughs> um, with Rihanna. Like it's gonna! Oh, I'm so excited. What a unexpected duo! But I can't wait for it. So unfortunately, we still have two more weeks until the Super Bowl, but just staying. Within the NFL, um, let's bring Ohio State into the mix because they're not really involved in the Super Bowl at all. There's Besides not a Trey in the Super Bowl. Trey Sermon. Oh, you're right. I know. I forgot about him. I didn't even know he was on the Eagles until a couple weeks ago. I thought he was still with San Francisco. but I forgot that. I know. So he's the lone Buckeye left in the Super Bowl. Um,
0: also so the Buckeyes um- – have not updated their sports roster to reflect him going to the Eagles yet. Cause I like acted oh, really? the other day to be like, are there any Buckeyes? I forgot about Trey
1: Sermon. Good for you, Trey Sermon. <laughs> right. So I just wanted to, um, kind of highlight a few of the Buckeyes who had the best NFL seasons this year. Um, I wrote a column about this actually today. It came out today, but, I just wanted to ask you, which Buckeye do you think had the best season? I mean, I
0: – a lot of it is like apples and oranges, right? But, like, i got to say Garrett Wilson really is, like, kind of surprising some people. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even necessarily projected to start at the beginning of the season. Right. And then just kind of fought his way in. Um And I like really love that. And I also just think like the Jets had really bad quarterback play and he still put up numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, So
1: it might be Garrett Wilson for me. Who would you say? Uh, First off, I love that for you. I'm a huge Jets fan. So I've had to deal with the super unfortunate quarterback carousel all year. But Garrett Wilson has really been that – steady presence to keep me going. Um but for me I I would love to choose Garrett too, but I'll choose someone else. I think it's got to be Nick Bosa. I mean, he's he should win defensive player of the year. You know, he led the league with 18 and a half sacks. He's just been a total menace for that San Francisco defense. Really just led them to be the top defense um in the league, so he just keeps getting better every year of his career, and I think this year was the best year yet. And he definitely should take home Defensive Player of the Year, as should Garrett Wilson take home Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, so we will see about that. But one I Buckeye, just one thing
0: for sure. Okay. The the Buckeye who had the best season as a Bears fan was not Justin Fields. And it is not his fault.
1: Correct. Oh All my gosh. Day, I will defend him till the day I die. Get that man an offensive line and Please. maybe
0: he could be in the conversation. Oh, it makes me so mad. Okay. No, I know. I feel <laughs> should be in the conversation and he is just not being set up for success by the Bears organization. He deserves so much better. Okay. Trust
1: me. I wanted to put him in here, but. <laughs> His I mean, team we just can't. really failed him. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, Justin. We love you. And we love we're you just... so
0: much. It is not <laughs> your fault.
1: Oh, yeah, so unfortunate for Justin. Um, but another Buckeye that maybe we forgot about because he was injured is J.K. Dobbins. You know, he tore his ACL last year after having just an outstanding rookie year. And then he just really couldn't stay healthy this year. But when he did play, he showed that he's still – great. You know, he was on my fantasy team. So it really kind of screwed me over because he was on the IR most of the year. But then when he did play, he put up, I don't know, 20, 30 fantasy points. So clearly, he still got it. It's just, can he stay healthy? You know, ACLs are always tough to come back from. And, you know, he just really struggled staying healthy this year. So do you think that maybe next year will be his year? Will injuries kind of follow him throughout his whole career
0: it's hard to say right like there are some players who just are injury prone and it unfortunately kind of bites them in the butt and cuts their career a little bit short I really hope that's not the case for JK Dobbins because I would love to see him unleashed to his full potential um and and I also think part of it this year was, like, he was playing really well, and you have to assume that he's kind of nursing the injury still mm-hmm. while doing that, right? Like, if you're back on the field and you're coming off of an injury, you might be playing it a little safe. And he was just, like, still showing that he was a beast. So I'm hoping that he can use this offseason to, like, fully recover, get back to full strength, and I hope that he's not one of those players who is just kind of perpetually plagued with injuries, because I don't think that we're going to get to see the the depths of what he can do if that's the case.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And he's just such a crucial part of that Ravens offense. Clearly, you know, they were missing him all year long. So hopefully he can get back to where he was his rookie year, just fully healthy and just tearing it up out there. Um, but one last Buckeye I wanted to highlight, and I feel like this is so controversial and people get so mad. Obviously, Joe Burrow had an MVP caliber season, but people will argue that he's not a Buckeye, even though he said, I am a Buckeye. I mean, he graduated from Ohio State. So for everyone who says that he is not a Buckeye, personally, I disagree. Yeah,
0: I think like... It it's a tricky one too, because I feel like there is a double standard here where if the if it were reversed and he had transferred to Ohio State from LSU mm-hmm. Even with like without with or without the degree from OSU, if he had made that transfer in reverse, people wouldn't be questioning like we wouldn't be questioning it. But there's something about, like, that transfer, even though his degree is from Ohio State. And I think the other part of it where fans get tripped up is because he's initially, um, like, born in Iowa, even though he went to Athens High School, mm-hmm. like, people are like, oh, well, he's not, like, a true Buckeye. But it's like – but but he is because he, like, graduated from an Ohio high school – he graduated from Ohio State. So I don't I don't agree with that categorization, but I think those are the semantics that people get like tripped up on.
1: Yeah, people really do get fired up about this and you know, he can claim both. Obviously, he's an LSU Tiger. He won the Heisman and the Natty with them, clearly. But you know, obviously he didn't play that much at Ohio State, but the coaching staff helped mold him in shape him and coach him into who he is today. Obviously the LSU coaching staff had a huge role in that too, but forever I will claim him as a Buckeye. Ohio Without Ohio State, who knows where he would have been? That might be a hot take, but hey, I will forever and always claim Joe Burrow as a Buckeye, especially because he's the best quarterback in the NFL, one of the best. So Ohio State needs to claim that because they've had their – quarterback struggles in the NFL the past a uh, couple of decades, honestly. So sorry about it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think we get to claim that. I don't feel bad about claiming it.
1: Perfect. <laughs> so we've got to pause and take a breath. But when we come back, we've got some college basketball talks. So stay with us. Welcome back. Um, unfortunately, we must have jinxed the women's basketball program because ever since we recorded our last podcast, they lost two more games. So now they are riding a three-game losing streak, and clearly the men's team is just an absolute shambles. So starting with the women, I mean, what do you think is going on? They lost two games to two top ten teams. Okay, understandable. And then they lost to unranked Purdue – on Sunday. So just what are your initial thoughts? I know you wrote about this in your column this week as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that like, unfortunately in a season, as long as basketball and granted, like you always hope that it's not three in a row, right? Cause that's really mm-hmm. like, that's rough and dropping one to an unranked team that should be your opportunity to shift the momentum back in your favor is a bummer. Um, but I I think that, like, they had hit their stride. They were up on this pedestal. You know, the higher you are, the farther there is to fall. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it put a target on their back from these teams who, like, you've got Iowa, you've got Indiana, like, really come out – coming out full steam. Um, And I I just think this is more of a setback than, like, evidence that the team – is kind of a fluke. Like, I don't think the beginning of the season was a fluke. They were doing what they were doing without their top player. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think this is a team with depth. I think this is a team that what they need right now is the resilience to regroup and come back. Um, I'm hoping they can do that. I mean, obviously, if they continue – to be in their own heads about it, then that's where we're going to run into issues and that's the thing that separates like a good team from a great team because it doesn't really matter if you have the pieces in place if you can't put your heads together and overcome a hurdle. Um but I think that this team can. And so I'm hoping I'm I'm really hoping that the next time they are on the court, they are just Ready to go um, and kind of can start doing what they need to do, like with baby steps, right? It doesn't, you don't have to come out and blow out the team. You need to just go back to the basics, make your free throws, make your shots, no sloppy fouls, like do execute the basics of the game at the potential that this team is capable of and come away with a win. And then you slowly can start to rebuild that momentum. Now, they've got about a month left of the season. So Mm -hmm. they do need to turn it around quickly heading into the tournament. But the season's not like over. It's not like there's one game left and then they're going to go into the tournament on this slump. So I do feel like there's potential for them to get it together and go back to being the team that they are capable of being.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. And I want to highlight, I do think that they are just stuck in their heads. You know, just anytime you're riding that long of an undefeated streak, you're just wondering, okay, how long can we keep this up? Who could we lose to? And obviously Iowa was their biggest threat that they faced, um, you know, up until that point, pretty much. So, they lose that game and then you got to come back and play number six, Indiana, which isn't really, you know, a nice bounce back game. And it's at Indiana, which also doesn't help things. And then you're just in shambles from there and you just drop to unranked Purdue. So I do just think they're in their heads right now. They're just not playing like the fun, loose team that we've been seeing all year. Um, they're just clearly nervous out there not playing to their fullest potential, like you said, just missing shots they usually make, um, making fouls they don't usually make. So as long as they can just get back to where they were even just a couple of weeks ago, I mean, they'll be good to go. Like you said, there's a month left in the season, plenty of time to fix things, and it's sounding like J.C. Sheldon could come back any time now. I mean, Kevin McGuff is just being so secretive you know he's hinting that she's so close to being there yet she's still not there you know she wasn't in her boot or anything the past few games that we've seen her so hopefully she can come back I mean do you think that she is truly going to be the key to fixing this team or do you think they can still you know just become back to the number two Buckeyes that we've been seeing all year without her? Yeah, I mean, I I think here's the thing. They reached that number two
0: spot. Like, she hasn't played since November 30th. So Mm. they don't need her to win games. But when you're in a rut like they're in right now, sometimes you do need, like, you need something to really shake up the system, right? So putting J.C. Sheldon back on the court might be like enough of a shakeup that it kind of snaps them out of the slump. And obviously J.C. Sheldon is an unbelievable player. Like it would Mm -hmm. not be a bad thing to have your star – it's never going to be a bad thing to have your star guard on the court. But what I think that J.C. Sheldon's return would bring is less about the X's and O's and more about helping them to snap out of it by kind of hitting the reset button.
1: Yeah, I do like that. I mean, I feel like they do just need a change. You know, it's it's been working all year, but then Sheldon goes down. Okay, someone else steps up. And then Madison Green goes down. Someone else steps up. And that's been working. And, you know, it still can work, but maybe they do just need that slight change, that spark that Sheldon brings. Um, and that really could just switch things around. You know, maybe they just need change up the lineup a couple of games. But either way, I think they're going to be fine. I'm confident in them. They're now number 10 in the AP poll. So still doing strong there. Uh, But the same cannot be said for the men. I mean, they've lost seven of their last eight. They've they've switched their lineup a bunch of times. They've also suffered injuries. I mean, they just can't do anything right. What do you think is the problem? Or is just this whole team just doomed? Like,
0: I I mean I think that we do have to call this season a wash Mm. at this point, um, and and I think that like maybe we have to just be okay with that, right? But uh, it's it's like almost like a comedy of errors. Like Mm. they keep hitting these roadblocks. Some of it is some of it is coaching. Some of it is just like the. They've hit obstacles that are out of their control, like injuries, um, that are really throwing a wrench in the system. Um, But it just kind of feels like the rug keeps getting yanked out from underneath them. And they need – like, the women's team needs a reset, like, lowercase r. The men's team needs a reset, like, capital R. The whole word is in caps locks. Mm -hmm. Like, something's got – to change pretty drastically. And I don't know if that means like a shift in the coaching. I don't know if that means like at this point they've tried they've tried. They've tried to shake up the roster. I don't really know what the solution is. Like I'm not enough of a basketball expert to be able to pinpoint, like, oh, they need to fix this with recruiting or they need to fix this with a new coach or both or like all of the above. You know, I don't know. What the specific cocktail is going to look like that will turn this program around, but I do know that they need a reset with a hard r,
1: yeah, i don't I honestly don't think anyone knows, including Chris Holtman, <laughs> what needs to happen in order to change this team around. I mean, they just seem so lost out there and just not not doing anything exceptionally well. Their shooting has just been abysmal. Justice suing has honestly been disappointing. Zed Key, I think, is way more injured than we think because his usual dominant presence just isn't felt out there. Honestly, the only highlight is Bryce Zabal, who pretty consistently is just putting up phenomenal offensive numbers each game. But he can't do it by himself. So I don't know what the answer is either. Unfortunately, I wish I did, but I agree. I just don't think this season is really going to pan out too much when you lose, you know, almost all of your conference games so far to start the year. So we'll see if they can turn it around. I don't really see how it's just so frustrating because we saw glimpses at the beginning of the season where we really didn't think this team was going to be much at the start anyways because it's such a young team filled with freshmen. But they looked good early on. You know, they had some big wins, went to Maui, beat Texas Tech. They almost beat number one Purdue earlier this month. You know, they randomly beat Iowa in the midst of this losing stretch. So it's just frustrating because clearly the talent is there. They just need to find that mix that works for them. So. We'll see if Holtman can figure it out. Maybe it is just a lineup change. Maybe something needs to change in practice. Maybe a player just needs to step up and, you know, really take control. But we will see if they can flip this around. Um, Hopefully they can. Unfortunately, the schedule does not get any easier, but we will see. I mean, who knows? One can just hope in this situation.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. It's, you know, we're always rooting for them. Like, I'm going to continue to watch the season. Mm-hmm. I think it just – this one might be – we might be in pain for the, for the rest of it.
1: Unfortunately, yeah. So, obviously, we'll keep watching both the men and the women. Seems like the women are definitely going to have a uh, way more successful of a season. So, rooting for both of them to turn things around. Um, but on that note, before we wrap up the show, shall we do our end of the show shout-outs?
0: Yeah, so I would like to shout out. Um I was in Texas last weekend and there were a couple of TCU players who from the football team who were out at the bar and they were wearing their national championship gear like loud and proud. Um despite being just like absolutely annihilated by Georgia. And so I love that they we're still like owning it. Like they were just like, yeah, but we went to the national championship and we're going to still wear our stuff. And you're not going to take away from the fact that we made it way beyond what people thought we were capable of. So I love that attitude. You go TCU, keep your heads held high. (laughs) You beat Michigan. So we do owe you a
1: debt of gratitude for that. Like carry on with your bad selves. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, We don't have any beef with TCU. I respect them. And if I was in the national championship, I would wear that gear everywhere I went. I don't care if I won or lost. So good for TCU. Um, But for my shout out, I just wanted to highlight it again. Brock Purdy. He really is just a beast. He was undefeated in all of his starts this year. Obviously, besides the NFC championship game. And he was knocked out early with the elbow injury. And then when Josh Johnson got injured, Purdy came back in, could not throw because his UCL is just ripped to shreds, yet he still played like a good chunk of the second half. So just kudos to Brock Purdy. He's a beast. He's also a finalist for Offensive Rookie of the Year, which still should go to Garrett Wilson. But hey, I respect Brock Purdy. I agree. I love that. That's a great shout out. Yeah, two solid shout outs from both of us. But that is all that we have for today. So as a reminder, you can follow Jamie at Jamie Yurich, me at Megan Husslein and the site at langrant 33 We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks.